0: This is the weekend that we remember, of course, September the 11th, and all the folks that uh, were, were killed in that attack. We certainly don't want to forget the things that happened in our past, because if we don't, we are doomed to repeat them in the future. So the past is a thing to remember, but we overcome our past. We'll put it in our very lengthy uh, quote in there this morning. I was looking for something along these, these lines, and I know that Benjamin Franklin is made out to be uh, less than godly many times but here is a quote that came right out of the original manuscripts of a speech he gave in the Constitution Convention. For those that only get this on on tape, we'll read this for you. God governs in the affairs of man and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire, I'm sorry, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred writings that except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. I believe firmly in this. I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. Boy, we got to build it on the the word of God. Whatever we build, what we build personally for ourselves, what we build for this nation, we must build according to the word of God. We must always keep that in, in mind. Would you open up your Bibles this morning to Galatians, the fifth chapter, a pastor received a call from a church that offered him a salary four times what he was then receiving. And being a devout man, he spent much time uh, in prayer to discern what it was that God wanted him to do. And so he spent several days in prayer to seek out their God and see what God would have him to do. And some of the kids came up to his wife or to, to one of the other kids that was in there and said, uh, Has your dad decided? What's he going to do? Is he going to take the job? I mean, four times what he was getting over there—it's probably be a tough thing to turn down. But he was still went out there and prayed about it. And so, the little kid came up to the other, the, the son of the pastor, and said, I, "Well, I don't know yet what Dad's going to do, because Dad's still praying, but Mom's packing." <laughs> sometimes, you know, direction—we can kind of be going in opposite directions. We can have a direction of going one way, or sometimes we're wondering what direction to go. And as we've been looking over here in Galatians, we've been seeing that the flesh desires one thing. And the spirit desires another; they actually go in an opposite directions. Last week, we began the part on the fruit of the spirit today we're, we're looking more at the actual fruits and seeing how they manifest in our lives, how they how we can recognize them because the word of God has said that he wants us to bear fruit. We call this one becoming fruity." Now you know there's some folks out there that are just you know, fruity in the wrong way, but this is fruity in a good way. Sometimes if you taste a drink and they put some fruit in there, you say, oh, it tastes a little bit fruity. Well, we want people that when they experience us, they experience the fruits of God's Word. They experience the fruits of the Spirit. And they have a desire for it. In Galatians chapter 5, and verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh... And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now what he's saying here is that the Spirit leads one way and the flesh another. The Spirit leads in this direction. The flesh leads in this direction. If I am going in this direction, I am not going in this direction. But if I am going in the direction of the flesh, I am not going in the direction of the Spirit. So he says you're going either one way or the other. The flesh goes this way, the Spirit goes another way. So they are opposite. So to follow the one is to not follow the other. I have this from a few other translations, and you don't have this in your outline because I just simply couldn't fit it. But here in the New English translation, it puts it this way. But I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh has desires that are opposed to the Spirit, and the Spirit has desires that are opposed to the flesh for these are in opposite are, are in opposition to each other so that you cannot do what you want the new living translation puts it this way so i say let the holy spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves let the holy spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what the sin, sinful nature craves the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite Of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires. That are the opposite of what the sinful desire. The sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own intentions. Your good intentions. So this talks about the battle that's in there. And uh, different translations bring that out for us very well. The Amplified says. But I say walk walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit or in parentheses, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, of the human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. Godless human nature, for these are are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. It says you're actually prevented from doing what you desire to do. Because we have these other things that are that are going on in the inside of us and God doesn't want us to have that. But here's a translation I really want you to get a hold of here today and this comes from the message. It says my counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't be then you won't feed the compulsions of the selfishness of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that as that is at odds with a free spirit, for there is a root of sinful self interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit, just as the free spirit is incapable with selfishness. These two ways are life these two ways of life are antithetical, so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another according to how you feel on any given day we 're going to get to the next verse from the message translation two. But here's what what we need to see on this one. He's talking about, for there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. There is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. The free spirit that we have from God is contrary to a selfish interest. And we talked about the fruits of the spirit before. The fruit of the spirit is what? The fruit of the Spirit is love. That is what the fruit of the Spirit is. It is love. And Jesus taught us some things before about love. I want to take a look at... at, um, Well, let's read this. Before we get into that part, let's read into the next verse here. The New King James puts it this way in verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The message puts it this way. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? If we follow after the flesh, we are up and down. We're sometimes good, sometimes not good. But a life that is dominated by the Spirit is one that is good all the time. It's one that is stable. And that's what God wants us to get into. Now here's what we need to see about the love part. To walk in the Spirit is to obey God. Is that not right? If I am going to walk in the Spirit, I will obey God. To obey God is to walk in the Spirit. So this, this is what we need to know. And Jesus taught us some things about obeying God. And I want to get into that scripture here in just a moment. But to walk in the Spirit is to obey God. First off, we love God, don't we? We do His will and we love others. Over in Matthew chapter 20, 22 and verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So he is telling them all of the law, all of God's purpose, all of God's will, all the things for us to obey the will of God, to do his, to be obedient to him, are hung up on two things. Love the Lord your God and love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So there's actually three folks there that we have to direct love to. We love God. That is certainly one of them, right? We have to first off and foremost love God. But when we love the flesh, we're not walking in a love to God, are we? We're walking in another kind of, kind, of, kind of love. The walk in the Spirit is to walk in this love of God. And if I first and foremost walk in a love to God, I love God more than anything else. First and foremost, it is my love to God. That is what is going to help define our walk of the Spirit. That is where we need to to be at. We put this in your outline. To walk in the flesh is to obey another. To walk in the Spirit is to obey God. But so if I'm going to walk in the flesh, it is to obey another. That other could be a number of things. And I think I wrote some down there. First off, we could obey our desires. How many of you all know we have some desires on the inside of us that are not in line with the Word of God? I can follow after my desires. I can follow after other people. How many of you know people who will tell you things that are not in line with the Word of God? Even Christian people can tell you to do things or go in ways or believe things or trust things or whatever it might be that are not in line with the Word of God. So to walk in the flesh is to obey another, and that could be our desires, it could be other people, or it could be the enemy or Satan. Now, not Satan personally coming in there. He's not uh, necessarily going to do that with everybody, but he has his kingdom, all those that are in his kingdom. So the enemy or Satan. So we can follow after any of these things. I can follow after my own desires. I can follow after what other people say I should do or what other people are doing, or I can follow what the enemy has told me to do. When Eve was in the garden, whom did she follow? Well, first and foremost, we saw that she followed the enemy because the enemy came and put something in it. But didn't, she also, didn't it also say in the Scriptures, in Genesis, that when she saw that the fruit was desirable? So what had happened there? It was a desire. And when Adam fell into sin, why did he fall into sin? Because Eve did. When he saw that his wife had taken of the tree, he took of the tree. And so we can follow these ways where we have other people leading us away. We have our own desires that lead us away. And we have the enemy who can come in. That particular story, you just see all three at work. Sometimes it's just one. Sometimes it might be two. But whatever it is, it's trying to ignite my flesh on the inside instead of my spirit. And if I do that, then I walk in the way of disobedience. I don't walk in the way of love. And do I produce fruit? No, because the word of God says, if I abide, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, this is what we need. We need to have that abiding part going. I need to get into that abiding. We have to be abiding in the vine. If we abide in the vine, we produce fruit. If we don't abide in the vine, we're not going to produce fruit. Now, God put a love in us, Romans chapter 5, verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts. He is writing to believers. He is telling believers, if you are a believer, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Don't raise your hand. This is one of those questions that's for an inside hand. You know, inside voices, this is an inside hand, just raise it on the inside. How many people have ever said, oh, Lord, help me to love that person? Oh, Lord God, help the love of God just to rise up on the inside of me. Oh, God, I'm feeling a little low in love today. Help me get that love feeling going. Help me to feel, feel that love for that person. That is an unscriptural prayer. How can God answer an unscriptural prayer? The Word of God says, "If I abide, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. But His Word is not abiding in us if we ask unscriptural prayers. If I say, Father God, I need to have love for that person, what am I saying about this verse of Scripture? It's not true. I'm saying it has not been deposited in me. Maybe it will be deposited in me. Maybe if I ask God, it will become deposited in me. If you are born again, if you receive God, the, the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, then He puts the love of God in us. I already have that love in us. It's already there. But you're saying, well, yeah, but I don't feel love. Well, that certainly lines up with the Word of God. The Word of God certainly says if you don't feel something, it must not be true. Doesn't it? <laughs> How many times have we not felt forgiven? For some of you were here on that Wednesday night, we showed that uh, uh, tape by Brother Higgin, and he gave that wonderful story, that that lady who uh, felt like God hadn't forgiven her. And then uh, he says, well, did you believe when your husband... Said that he forgave you. Well, yeah. Well, then you said you have more faith in your husband than you do God. (laughs) That's one way to put it, isn't it? Doesn't matter if we feel forgiven; we are forgiven, aren't we? Doesn't matter if we feel saved; we are saved. Thank God. That's why we can go into the place. It doesn't matter if I feel healed; I am healed. If I do the things that I've I've lined up, and a number of people have done different things, but when they do those things are lined up, I'm healed. The Word of God says that I can do this. I'm healed and I've received my healing. So the love of God is in us. So I must walk in such a way that I believe that the love of God is in me. So then what do I do when I meet up with someone who is stretching my love? You know what they're doing? They're aggravating your flesh. They're trying to get you to go in a direction opposite of your spirit. Your spirit's going this way in the love direction. And your flesh wants to go this way in the hate direction, the dislike direction, the unforgiveness direction, the bitterness, the hurt, all the different other feelings that we come up with that are anti-love. Don't do it. Don't go that way. Just sit there and quote the word of God like you would quote anything else. The love of God has been poured out in my heart. Isn't that what it said? Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So the love of God was poured out in our hearts by how? By the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. The Holy Spirit was given to us in a new birth. The Holy Spirit was given to us in the baptism of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there, and He is the one who takes the love of God and puts it down on the inside. We get the nature of God by adapting to the nature of the Holy Spirit. And so that nature works through us. And so all I need to do is to come in line with the nature of the Spirit on the inside of me. But the nature of my flesh rises up and causes me to think, I'm not walking in that. I don't have that. I need to have more love. Oh, Father God, give me more love. And we think it's a great prayer because I'm trying to pray to line up with the Word of God. But it's not a good prayer because I'm going against the Word of God. Because the Word of God says, The love of God will one day be poured out into your hearts. No, what's it say? Has been. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Two times we see past tense used in there. First off, it's past tense that the love of God was given to us. And secondly, it's past tense that the Holy Spirit was given to us. Is he trying to get us to understand that this is here? Now I gave you all the other verses in there and I didn't just give you verse 5 for this reason. Go back up to verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations... Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Why do we glory in tribulations? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. How do we walk in perseverance? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Don't you need the love of God to glory in tribulations? To walk in perseverance? And perseverance character? is the love of God developing character? The love of God is is a love that is based on the character of God. It is based on the one giving the love, not the one receiving the love. And God has given His love to put in us. So the love that we give is based on His character, not the character of the person we receive. But too often we walk in this life and we look at how this one operates, how this one works, how, how this one talks, all the different things that are about them, what they do. And we walk in such a direction to say, oh, I can't love that one. They do this, they do that. We've walked out of the character of love that loves based on the character of the giver, not the character of the receiver. That's the difference with the love of God. The love of the world is a love that loves because of the receiver. As long as you're worthy of that love, I'll give it to you. But the Word of God tells us in other parts, if you love those that are kind to you, if you love those who do good to you, What reward do you have? Even the heathen do this, he says. Even the heathen do this. That's no big deal to love those that are nice to you. Love those that do nice things or give you nice things or or whatever. It's no hard hard problem to do that. The ones that are tough are the ones that rub you the wrong way. The ones that take things away from you. And that's what we have to walk in love towards. But the love of God is in us. You all can say that today. The love of God is in me already. Right now. Right now. <laughs> Glory to God, it's with us. I don't have to pray for it. I don't have to ask it to come around. It is here. So if you have ever prayed, Oh, Father God, give me more love. Just, just say, Oh, Father, I didn't realize that before. I realize it now. Forgive me for that. I'll walk in the love that you've given me. And walk in it. If you need more love, if you're going to apply it in any way at all, that you can grow in that love. We just covered the last two Wednesdays in the parable of the talents and the parables of the minas. And in the parable of the minas, we equated that to receiving faith and and love because we all received the equal amount. So how did they increase the minas? By putting it to work. The one who took the mina and put it in a handkerchief and wrapped it up and didn't do anything with it, when he was done, he had what? Same amount he had before. If you want more love, put the love you have to work. Put it out there. Sew it. You'll get more love back. So the love of God is put in us. Now, here's, what, here's the love of God. The love of God, it goes from God, then others, and finally self. The love of God goes this way. I first off love God. I secondly love others. And I thirdly love myself. That's what he commands. He said, first off, what are the greatest commands? First and foremost, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second commandment is likened unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, has he not commanded us to love three? Our neighbor, ourself, and God. But the order is God first, neighbor second, self third. That's the order. We are never told not to love ourselves. If you go out there and do something good for yourself, don't get in condemnation and say, Oh, I shouldn't be doing good things for me. I should just be doing good things for other people. No, that's wrong. You're going to love other people as you love yourself. If you, if you neglect yourself, you're going to tend to neglect other people too. So that's why he told us, love other people just like you love yourself. Increase the love of other people, increase the love of yourself as well. But the first and foremost is God. So it goes from God, then others, and then finally to ourselves. This is the way of the Spirit. The way of the flesh is to love basically in the opposite order. The way of the flesh is to love self, first and foremost. Then select others. What others? We love others that are nice to us. We love others that do good to us. We love others that are easy to love. Ones that don't rub me the wrong way. So select others. I first off love myself. Secondly, I'll I'll love select other people, but not all the people. And then any God I choose. That's the way of flesh. Any God I choose. If I choose to, to worship God, then I worship God. If I choose to worship some idol, then I worship some idol. But it's any God I choose because, first off, we had the order wrong. I'm loving myself first. If I love myself first, then I'm going to love a God that does the things that I want. Isn't that right? But see, that's why the, the Word of God puts it in another order. It says first off, first and foremost, you love God. Secondly, you love others and then love yourself as well. And that's, how, that's the order we need to follow. But the way of flesh does it different. And that's where we get ourselves into trouble. So the way of flesh is to love self, then select others, and then any God that I choose. Now let's go on here in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Boy, he just kept on going there with quite a list, right? Well, first off, he says, the works of the the flesh are evident, which are adultery. In adultery, who am I loving first? Myself. When I get into fornication, who am I loving first? It's myself. When I get into uncleanness and lewdness, who am I loving first? I'm doing what I want. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care who it bothers. I'm doing what I want. He then goes on idolatry. What's idolatry? That's me picking whatever God I want to pick. I feel like worshiping this God. I feel like going in this direction. So that's what I'm going to do. Sorcery. I want the power. I don't want to have to wait on God to move through me. I want to just make things move. And so sorcery becomes appealing to us. For those who walk according to the flesh. But this is not the the direction that God wants us to go. When we get into hatred, contentions, and jealousies. Why do we get into hatred and contentions and jealousies? Because I love me. And you did me wrong. You hurt me. So I'm going to hate you. I'm going to have contentions with you. I'm going to be jealous of you because you have something that I want. I should have it, not you. Isn't that what jealousy is? We see someone else have it. I should have that. You shouldn't have. I should have that. I should have that new car. I should have that bigger house. I should have that better job. I should. You shouldn't have. I should have that because I love me first. But the word way of God is to love God, to love others and then love yourself. And if I do that, then I walk in the way of God, which is I don't get jealous or envious of what other people have, because the word of God does say, "Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. We're not supposed to be jealous and envious. These are the things that are commanded the Word of God. If I become envious, I'm simply saying, what you have, I want, and I think I should have it more than you do. And that's wrong. But we walk in such a way that, oh, that is so great. Look at the blessing that God has brought upon you. Oh, that's so good. And we're glad. We rejoice. We're, we think this is great. I don't sit there and say, oh, God, how can you bless them so much and not me? No. See, the way of the Spirit won't take you that way. He then goes on and says heresies. Heresies are just doctrines that I like. I can accept that doctrine. I like that doctrine. That doctrine suits me better. I can sell a book if I have that doctrine. And make some money. And there's people have been out there to do that. They've come up with something. The devil puts some kind of a thought in their head. And they come up with some kind of crazy doctrine. We've seen ministers even today. And it's been all through history who have come up with all kinds of crazy doctrines from the Word of God. And they go out there and they sell books. We've got people who have come up with new religions and sold books and market it. And people have got to pay money and, and do the different things in order to, to walk in that and to have that. It's heresies. And it comes out of an area of selfishness. Well, that's my revelation. That's what God told me. Because you bring, you have people who have heresies, they bring it out into the church, and some of the church that are spirit led say, you know what, that's not right. It doesn't line up with this scripture over here. It doesn't line up with this idea over here. And I said, well, no, I'm not taking that. I got this in a dream. God gave this to me. This is mine. This is my revelation. You just want it for yourself. They get selfish, and heresies begin to come up because of this. Envy. We already talked about that, but envy. You just become envious of what other people have. Murders. Why do we murder people? You did me wrong. I don't like you. I hate you. You have something that I want. I want to come into your house or over where you are and take what you have. And if you stand in my way, I will kill you for it. Who's that loving? It's loving myself. I can't love other people as myself if I'm going to kill them. Can I? We, we can't do that. I heard, uh, heard somebody talk about There's somebody who came out with a book just of, of late, of some time. I don't know what late is, like the last year or so. They were writing this book about how, uh, oh, it was the guy who did the, um, did the bomb or, or did the threat over the Discovery Channel. Anybody hear that? They did a, walked into the Discovery Channel, was holding people hostage. Well, his beef was he was mad at the Discovery Channel because the Discovery Channel was uh, not doing the things that were promoting you know, human sterilization. And uh, for humans not to have more kids, that we were putting too much of a demand on the earth, and that the Discovery Channel was helping that, encouraging us to have more kids. And I don't know how they did that, and all that sort of. Thing. I didn't get, uh, at all get into his doctrine. I just know this was his end result that he was uh, concerned about this way. Well, I heard one person say something of great wisdom. He said, "You'll find a lot of times with people, and they have these crazy ideas about how there's too many people in the earth." And we need to have abortions and we need to uh, euthanize people and we need to do all this sort of stuff in order to, you know, cut down the population. How many have ever heard people talk about that? You know, why don't they take the leadership on that? Right. Why don't they euthanize themselves? You know, I mean, if they really are serious about getting rid of this stuff, just take yourself out. Now, lead by example. Die. <laughs> but no, they don't do that. They want other people to do the dying. They want babies to be aborted. You know, you got people out there. I mean, some of the greatest proponents of global warming, Al Gore and all the different like, you look at the way they live. Four or five SUVs, two or three airplanes, huge houses, several houses. They're not living. If they really believed that all this stuff was going to kill the the earth then why don't they lead by example and build a log cabin with a fireplace and live off the land? Why don't they do that? Why don't they get a bicycle instead of the SUV and lead by example? Why are they still flying all over the place in private jets? See, people will do this all the time because they've fallen in the area of selfishness. I've got a doctrine. I've got an idea. I've got something that I want to sell. I want to kill you. I want to take what you have. This is the wrong thing. This is the way of the flesh. You can certainly tell it. Drunkenness. Why do people get drunk? Oh, I don't want to feel any pain. Oh, I just need a release. Oh, It's all about me, isn't it? Revelries. How do we get into revelries? Oh, I'm right, you're wrong. we got to prove it. And he says, and the like. All the other stuff that's like that. So many things, they come out of selfishness. They come out of selfish ambition. They come out of, I need to promote promote me. I need to promote my idea. I need to promote who I am. And this is the way of the flesh. If you go this way, then your love order is of such that I love me first, select other people, and then God. And it's any God that I choose it to be. It doesn't have to be the God. It's just any God that I choose it to be. You know, a lot of these people are getting interviewed and talking about their way of religion and stuff like that. I says, well, I believe that whatever way you believe, as long as you hold to it, you know, God will let you in. Well, you're not God. You ought to find out what God says and and, and go after it. Believe it wholeheartedly. God needs to be first. We love other people after that. And we love ourselves. That's the order we need to go in. But then he goes on. Here's our real focus. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And this is love that follows the correct order. If I follow after the love of God, the love that has the correct order, I follow after a love that loves God first and the God, not any God, but the God. I love God first. I love other people. And then I love me. If I follow that order, I will see the fruit of the Spirit come into me. I'm not loving selected people. I'm loving all people. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We talked about these uh, earlier. Even in our last week, we got into love, joy, and peace. And love, joy, and peace is what we talked about when Jesus was first introducing us to being attached to the vine. That he went on after he talked about being fruitful, talked about love, talked about joy, he talked about peace. That these are things that are fruit. That people will see. It all comes out of love. If I am walking in the love of God, I will walk in joy. I will have joy. Well, I don't feel very joyful, but you have joy. You have joy. Walk in joy. Stop walking in depression. Stop telling yourself, oh, I'm no good. See, people who have no joy and they walk around saying, oh, I'm no good, they faltered in the love of God because they're not having love for self. It is important that you follow after what the Word of God says. And that you have love for all. I have love for self. You have to be able to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I like you. I have love for myself. Glory to God. Have some self-love. Because if you don't love yourself, you're going to have a real hard time loving anyone. And you won't be able to do it by the love of God. But love God first and foremost. Father God, whatever it is that you want me to do, I will do it. And then we find out in other places in the Word of God that I love God by serving God. Other people. For the Word of God says, Jesus says it, Whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do unto. So if I want to do something to God whom I love, I can do it to you. That's what we should do. Because I love God. Oh, glory to God. Father God, I love you. How can I show you? Well, go over there and help that person over there. Okay. Because I love God. You know, it's like when you were dating. And the person you were dating, they wanted to go and see a a particular movie or go to a, t- a particular show, art show or something like that, and you have absolutely no interest in it. But did you not quickly find an interest in that area simply because of your love for that person? Well, that's the way it is with God. Love Him. Take up His interest. Go after the things He asks us to go after. He then goes on. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering... Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. In other words, there is no law in the word of God against these things because all the law is summed up in love. And if you walk in the love of God, you will walk in all the law. So we talked about love. We talked about joy. We talked about peace. One verse of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. For he himself is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. We got peace in ourselves. We're not in turmoil on the inside when all how am I going to be justified before God? Oh, how can I have all these these wrong things going on? God says you walk in the spirit. You will go in one direction. But you walk in the flesh, you can be going in all kinds of directions. But the, the direction of the Spirit is in one direction and it's completely opposite of the flesh. But it's always the same direction. And so you're always going the same way. But we want to take a look at some of these others in the list and get an understanding of what they are. He goes into the word long-suffering, which means patience, forbearance, long-suffering, slowness in avenging wrongs. Here's a verse of scripture that was used in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. The attitude is that I, when I see something that you do that aggravates or that should aggravate me or that gets my flesh going, I simply say, you know what? I have long suffering. I'm not going to let this go on. I'm not going to let this suffer. I'm not, or suffer me or be a problem for me. I'm going to go on. Now, sometimes we can generate this, can't we? Have you ever generated long suffering? When you're frowning on the inside, but smiling on the outside. When you're angry on the inside, but, oh, hi, how you doing? And that's a generated long suffering. But that's not what he's talking about. He is not talking about wooden apples that we stick on a vine. He is talking about real, genuine fruit. We use apples because I had a wooden apple, you know, and the real apple. And you have, there's a difference between a real apple and a wooden apple. There's a difference between a real grape on a vine and a wooden grape on a vine. One you can enjoy the taste of and the other one you will not enjoy the taste of it. He wants us to have the genuine ones. But so often we think that I have to get in a place where I produce the fruit. I don't bear fruit. I have to produce the fruit and so I become long-suffering. And what does that do on the inside of me? Oh, I get aggravated. Oh, I get mad. Oh, I can suppress it. Maybe I have to go away and what the world says, count to ten. We're trying to take all those feelings and suppress them down. And we feel like if we didn't say the wrong thing, if we didn't show express anger, if we stayed there, glory to God, I was producing fruit. No, you weren't. You're producing wooden grapes. And you're frustrating yourself. And you're aggravating yourself. And this thing is hard work. I didn't get into this yet, but this whole passage says, the works of the flesh. The Greek word for works is a word that describes laborious effort. Hard labor. Toil. Work. Oh, that you get in there and, and you are really working at this thing. You are really going after this thing, trying all oh, hard work, just mm, putting everything in there that you can. And You, you can think of all kinds of, of a modern day things we can do otherwise, but here's, here's one for you. How many have ever uh, either seen it done or have actually done it split firewood? Anybody ever done it, actually done it, took, took the axe and you get out there and you, and you split it and you know, sometimes you get those big logs and the big logs you can't quite use them with the axe. You got to take the small splitter and you drive it in there with a sledgehammer and then you split that and you get it down to a smaller piece where the axe can take care of it and you, you batter it with the axe and oh, I tell you what, I mean sometimes it just feels good. I don't know about you, but sometimes oh, it just feels good to get out there with an axe and just start swinging at some wood. Oh, that's just fun. I think it's it's great. Christian and I, we looked hard hard and long to find some wood that we could chop up. And we found some and, and you know we got some and we can get out there and, to, and, to, and to work at it. But then you'd find these logs in there and instead of having a nice straight grain, they had this wavy grain. And they have the wavy grain. You can take the axe and if you hit it, it'll actually bounce off. And the vibration would just echo through the handle right into your body. And oh, it's, it's, and you work at it and you chop and you chop and it's just not splitting. It feels like you're actually taking the wood out. But then they came up with these really great contraptions and they're called log splitters. And they have electric ones and they have gas ones and all you do is fire them up, however you fire them up, and it's got a little splitter up there. And it does not matter what the log is about. You put that thing in there and the thing comes down and you can do another one, another one, and it, it goes to town. Now, in order to get those logs to have split, someone had to go out there and cut them. How do you all know? A long time ago, they had these long saws. And one person on one side and one person on the other. And you'd pull. And then the other person would pull. And then you'd pull. And then the other person would pull. And then you'd pull. And the other person would pull. And after a while, the tree would come down. But then they came up with a really nifty invention. Remember what it was called? Gas-powered chainsaw. And you just get in there and you just fire that sucker up and just take it right on through. How many of you would like to do the gas powered over the other? Oh, it's so much better. See, we're out there, and even though we have gas powered chainsaws available, to where we just you know just sit there and just put it right on through, no big deal at all. And we're out there with the saws and trying to you know cut it and, and do all the oh no. Get out there. You got the spirit, the power of the spirit. And the long-suffering you're trying to generate, God can just have you do. Because you love God. You love others. And you love yourself. I love God first. Then love others. And then I love myself. I keep it in that order. And because of it... Because of it... See, if I have love for myself, I don't want myself to go in the wrong direction. How many of y'all know that? If you have love of yourself... You don't want yourself to go in the wrong direction. If you despise yourself, then you have yourself go off in the wrong direction. But if you love yourself, no. So if I see that's the wrong direction to go out there and to not be long-suffering with people, to not be forbearing and, and, and loving, I'm not, I don't want to go in that direction. It's bad for me. That'll hurt me. It'll also hurt them, and I love them. Well, how can you love them? They're no good. Now, when God loved us, what does the Word of God say? Then when we finally came around and loved God, God decided to love us, right? God, before we were even saved, before, while we were yet sinners, the Word of God says. Christ died for us. God loved us before we ever loved Him. He did the loving first. And we just follow that example. So as He did it, we can do it. So when I come up to other people, and they're not that loving, and they're not that nice, and they do some things that aggravate the long-suffering act, action in, inside of me. It's alright. Because I walk in the way that God did. And God, first off, He loved sinners. So we follow in that example. I can love people even though they have done absolutely nothing for me to love them, Love on them for. With all loathingness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. we got to do a whole lot more bearing with one another. We've talked about that in times past. But this is one of the fruit. If you walk in the love of God, then long-suffering will be a part. And when you have long-suffering and it just comes out and you just, you know what? That doesn't bother me. I'm fine. Well, let's, just, let's just go on. Just, we'll find another way to get that, that thing through for that person. You're long-suffering. And God says, look at that fruit in that person. Because that fruit doesn't come out of the flesh. That fruit comes from being part of the vine. When you were a part of something else before, you weren't producing that kind of fruit. But He wants you to be part of the vine. And when you're part of the vine, you produce His fruit. He goes on and says, talks about kindness. That's really just pretty much what it is. Being being nice, being kind. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. So God loved us when? When we were dead in trespasses, God loved us. That's the example we need to follow. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We were dead in trespasses and He made us alive and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. That he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. The kindness that we're to have is the same kindness that God has already demonstrated. And did not God demonstrate a kindness? Something that was done for the benefit of the other people? Isn't that what kindness is? Something that you do. they They didn't deserve it. But you just did it. You just were kind to them. You just were helpful to them. We have got that. We know how to do that with our kids as we raise them up. There are times when they are less than kind, when they are less than nice. Then what do we do? We love on them. We act in kindness to them. Why? Because we are trying to demonstrate something to them. God demonstrated His kindness toward us, and we need to follow that kindness to other people. So even though they're dead in trespasses to us, we can make them alive, so to speak as Christ did now. Christ had made us alive from sin. But we can help them out of their situations. We can't make them alive from being dead to sin. That's uh, God's job through Jesus. But we can sure help them. We can sure be kind. Well, they don't deserve kindness. And that will ring up in our head. In our head we're saying, well, they don't deserve kindness. And then sometimes we're going to go out there and we're going, well, I'm going to be kind anyway. And we grin and bear it and we say, I'm just doing this because the Word of God tells me so. What do we do? We produce wooden grapes. And then when we get across the finish line and we get into heaven and we go through the judgment seat of Christ, what burns up? Wood, hay, and stubble. It means all your wooden fruit gone. Burned right up. It's not going to make it in there. God doesn't want you to grit and, 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 and bear it. He wants that kindness to come out because it's the fruit, because I'm attached to the vine. And I expect that kindness to grow. I can be kind to people who don't deserve to be kind to. People who have been harsh and nasty, doesn't matter. I can still be kind. Because it's not based on their nature. It's not based on the things that they did. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Oh, he's got goodness. He's got forbearance. He's got long suffering, not knowing the goodness of God of God leads you to, re- to repentance. These are things that God has. He has demonstrated these principles for us. As God has goodness, as God has kindness, as God has forbearance, we are to mimic His. How has God been these things to us? How has He been that to other people in the Word of God? Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Boy, a whole lot of Things from the Galatians list in there. But he says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness and long suffering. We've got to put it on. It's not a part of our nature, of our flesh nature. It's a part of his. So I get to abide in the vine and I take his nature and I put it on. I can put it on. I can wear it. And that's how we we need to be. The next word there was goodness. You may recognize this word. Agathos is the word that we have uh, talked about before. Agathos is a word that we used as an example. If you go on down the the groceries, most of the time it's the ladies in the house going down the grocery aisle. And they had the cart. And we all know you have the cart. And you go on down and you're looking at the things on the shelf. And what are you deciding? Is this good and beneficial for my family? Is this good and beneficial for me? And that's what we go on down. Now, if you go down to the grocery aisle and you have your young children with you, how many of y'all know they have a different idea on what is good and beneficial? They may like a different kind of cereal than you want to get them. They may like a different kind of cookie than the kind that you want to get them. They walk on down the fruit. You walk on down the fruit and you're picking up fruits and doing stuff like that. And they may say, no, not those. I don't want to eat those. And they walk on down the chips aisle and they see the potato chips. Oh, yeah. Can we get some of these? Can we get some of the Doritos? Can we? And they got pick out all the the stuff in the, you know, that's all junk stuff. Because, you know, if you let your little kids pick up their their meal, what they're going to have. Doritos, potato chips, chocolate chip cookies. Right. Well-balanced diet. Got all kinds of things going on there. We got corn and we got potatoes and trying to talk about the goodness that is in there with that. No, we gotta make sure don't don't be walking that way. We going down that aisle and we are making a judgment. Is this good and beneficial for my family? Is this helpful for them? And sometimes you may even pull off the and look at the ingredients. What's what did they make this out of? If it's a new product, you especially wanna what's the what's this thing made of? What kind of preservatives do they put in there? What kind of uh, foreign things do I want those in there? If you have a child that has some uh, issues with certain kinds of foods, you want to make sure that those foods are not in. So you're looking at this thing to make sure it is good and beneficial. And that's the word he uses here. When he says goodness, things that have a good constitution or nature, things that because of how they are made up, they are beneficial for you. They will help you. Let's take a look at some verses of Scripture where we see this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and verse 11, Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. That He would fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness. God is good. The nature of God is beneficial. God will benefit people. Did not God benefit you? When you took God on, when you brought God into your life, did He not benefit you? Did He not make changes that were good? We look at some other people who follow some other religions and we see some changes that they made and they're not necessarily good. But God, His nature is love, but His nature is good. He's good. In Romans 15, verse 14, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. So as God is good, we are full of goodness because we become part of Him, we become part of the vine, and His goodness becomes part of us. And so one of the things that we begin to see in the love of God that we bear fruit for is we have goodness that comes out. That there is a beneficial aspect to us becoming attached to people. How many of y'all know there's folks out there that to become attached to them, to come alongside them, not beneficial. Not good. Y'all have people in the neighborhood that you try and avoid because conversations with them is not so good. But you are good. There is benefit in you because of the goodness of God that is in you. We were out to uh, Eating somewhere, they had some, some breakfast somewhere, my wife and I. And they served uh, a not a whole wheat toast, but uh, in fact, I ordered an omelet when we were out there. And they came with, uh, I didn't even know it came with toast, but when the person was uh, taking the order, said, What kind of toast did you want with that? Do you want white? Do you want, and she didn't say wheat. She said, Whole grain. Oh, I love to hear the words, Whole grain. My eyes light up. And I become excited. Whole grain. Because a whole lot of stuff they sell is wheat bread, folks. Is basically white bread with a little bit of brown color in it. And I don't like that. I I will not eat white bread. I don't, haven't eaten white bread in a long, long time. I just don't like it. I haven't decided that it is good and beneficial for me. And I've decided other things are, are better. And so even when we go out and we buy the whole wheat bread, we make sure it's actual real whole wheat bread and not the unbleached wheat flour or something else that they might... Uh, might give you, but this they said whole grain. And I was excited. Whole grain, yeah, because you can get white, you can get whole grain, and you can get rye. Well, rye's not bad, but whole grain. And this thing came, and they brought it over there, and we had four, you know, two slices of bread cut up, into the four pieces all all together, and you could see the grain in the bread. It was whole grain. You could see it, and they they covered the top with all kinds of grains. And you could see the grains all through the bread itself. Oh, they had butter on it. And they had some jams. And so I put some of the jam on the whole grain bread. Oh, I could have just had that for breakfast. That was so good. But see, I like it because I know how good and beneficial it is for me over the other things that you could be eating. And so I came into a, a love relationship with whole grain breads. Because it's good. And you know, you feel so much better when you have that. Now, you all notice a lot of times after, after, um, after we get done here at church, sometimes we'll go out to eat. Most times we try and go out to eat and have us all go together. You will notice that there are a few places we've never been to. And that's just because I, I won't go. I mean, some of you might all go, but fortunately there isn't one around. We have never had a church fellowship at a McDonald's because I don't like the feeling that I have in the pit of my stomach when I go out and eat something at McDonald's. If you like McDonald's, you go right on ahead and you eat there. You have fun. I have just deemed it as not so good. So we don't generally eat at McDonald's uh, very often. Once in a while, you know, you're in a hurry uh, and there's nothing else around. All right. If you're really hungry, you know, you go in there and you pick up something there. But generally, our whole family prefers other places beside that. And so, you know, it's much nicer to sit down at a Wendy's because you don't feel the same way when you come out of there. That, uh, at least uh, I don't. Because we have deemed it that's not as good as this part over here. This is better. That's what he's talking about. That we can have that kind of goodness on the inside of us. That people can say, boy, I feel better when you're around me. That's bearing fruit. Because other people can see and experience the fruit that you have in your life. I feel better just because you're around Oh, it's so, it's so peaceful when you're here. It's so nice when you're here. When you hear things like that, folks, you know goodness is coming out of you. That you are bearing fruit, the fruit of love. And it's coming out in the goodness that is in on the inside of you. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9. I didn't give you this in your outline, but you can write it down if you want to. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness. It's beneficial. It's good. It's helpful. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. Well, then he gets on to this word faithfulness, which means faith, trust, trustworthiness, reliability, confidence, assurance, conviction, belief, and doctrine. i have this just as a scripture for you to see, and just so you can get an idea of how this is being used, but in Matthew chapter eight, verse eight, it says, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed, for I am I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say this one, go, and he goes, and to another one come and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it he marvelled and said to those who followed, Assuredly I say to you, I have not found Such great, and the same word is used right here. I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out in utter darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done. And his servant was healed that same hour. This man, Jesus said, had great faith. How did he come to this great faith? Was it because of what people were saying around him? Was it some inward desire that he wanted to have? No. He let the words of Christ dwell on the inside of him. He understood what what was going on with the things of Jesus Christ. And because he understood what was going on with Jesus, because he understood, he says, I too am a man under authority, just like you are. I'm the same kind. And because of that, I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to this one, come, and he comes. So you don't even have to come to my house. Just speak the word, and I know that these things will leave, and health will come. And Jesus said, "I haven't seen this great faith, and all, of Israel. and that's a fruit." That's a part of the fruit in our life. When we have the fruit of love on the inside, we love God, we trust God. We believe that what He said is true. And this man just did that. He walked in such a love for God. He said, I, I know what you say is true. And because I understand authority where I live, I understand how authority works where you are. And I have authority over soldiers, but you have authority over all things. And if you just say that this go, it'll go. And Jesus said, Oh, this is marvelous. I haven't seen this kind of this is great. Because he could set tell there was fruit in this man's life. When we have faith to believe God, there is fruit in our life. We bear fruit. Glory to God. It's bear fruit. He then goes on and says gentleness. That's from the word prayotes. It means gentleness or humility. One verse of Scripture where we see this is First Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 21, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Second Corinthians 10, verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in present am lowly among you, but being absent, am bold towards you. Now this word here, gentleness, in your King James Bible is translated meekness. And sometimes meekness is a little. Un, we're not quite sure what meekness is. Moses was called one of the meek, the meekest man in the face of the earth. It doesn't mean that people walked all over him. In Galatians chapter six, verse one, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Same word there. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So it's not talking about one who lets people walk over them, but one who sees a problem and gets in there and deals with the problem with an attitude of gentleness, with an attitude, I have to be careful. I need to be watchful over this. If you are given the task of fixing someone's china that broke, do you not go after with gentleness? because You don't want to break the china anymore. This is a fragile piece. You have to take some great care with that. And so it's the same way. This person comes with a spirit of gentleness, spirit of meekness and they come in and realize this is a fragile this is one of God's children and I love them because God loves them and as an act of love to God I am going to restore this one and help this one but I'm not going to do it in such a way where we slap them around where we tell them that they're nasty they're wrong and nothing's right in their life no we do it with gentleness with gentleness Now, Rick Renner had this uh, note on the word. He said, Although an injurious situation may normally produce a rash or angry outburst, a meek person is controlled by kindness, gentleness, mildness, or even friendliness. The word meekness or gentleness pictures a strong-willed person. I love this part of it. The word meekness or gentleness pictures a strong-willed person who has learned to submit his will to a higher authority. He isn't weak he is controlled. The attitude or demeanor of a person who can control his temper or emotions. This is the attitude or the demeanor of a person who is, in well, who is well controlled over his emotions. A meek person. A gentle person. Let me read this for you again. A strong-willed person who has learned to submit his will To a higher authority, he isn't weak. He is controlled. I have submitted myself to God. And because I've submitted myself to God, I look at this person who has fumbled around with their life and has made errors and made problems. And my flesh might want to rise up and say, You idiot, why are you doing these things? But I am controlled by the Spirit of God. And so those thoughts don't come in to me. I simply say, Oh, Father God, here's one who has fallen. Let's get on out here and help them out. And with a spirit of meekness or gentleness, I get in there and I begin to help put this person back together. Get them on their feet. Get them walking with God again. That is what this word means with gentleness. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Self-control. It means temperance. Or self-control. Again, Rick has this uh, in his comment on the on the word. It literally means in control and denotes power over oneself. Hence, it is often translated the word self-control to execute exercise power over oneself. It suggests the control or restraint of one's passions, appetites, and desires. One's passions, appetites, or desires. Just as a meek individual can control his attitude, a person with temperance has power over his appetites. A meek person has control over his attitude. One who is self-controlled or temperate has control over his appetites, physical urges, passions, and desires. Because the Holy Spirit has produced temperance in his life, he is able to say no to overeating, no to overindulging, in fleshly activities, no to excess in physical in the physical realm, a person with temperance maintains a life of moderation and control over in second Peter chapter one, verse five, but also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control there's that word self-control that I have the ability on the inside of me to control any appetite that's on the inside, whether it be a physical appetite or a uh, flesh appetite, whatever it might be, I control those things; they don't control me. Perseverance, to per- perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindliness, self con- uh, kindness, self-kindness, love. For if these things are yours <clears throat> and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten. That he has cleansed, that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You get the idea of what meekness is. Gentleness. Whatever word that you see in your translation there. Do you get the idea of what self-control is? These are things that come out of our walk in love. Because I first off love God, I secondly love others, and then I also love myself, I don't give in to all my appetites and desires. I control those things. I, I'm, I'm yielded to someone else. And so, therefore, I don't, I don't just go. You, most of you folks are at work and you get paid while you're at work, don't you? If you just walked out, would your boss pay you? How many of you, during the time you're at work, have felt like walking out? But you didn't do it. You didn't give in to that. Why? Because I want the reward at the end. I want the money. I want to have the job. I want to continue on and receive the thing that I'm receiving, even though something has gone on. And what do we do with ourselves? We simply, I'm not going to give in to that. I am submitted to the authority. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to keep on working. And we, we keep on going. Well, we're submitted to the authority of God. And just because people say something to us doesn't mean that I react that way to do. And I hear because I am submitted to him. I'm not submitted to my own desires. I'm not submitted to my flesh. My flesh in those situations wants to rise up and say, get angry. Give them a piece of your mind. You tell them off. You don't let them do that to you again. Which way am I walking? Love of self, love of select others, and then love of whatever God I choose. But God says, no, don't walk that way. Father, I first off walk in love toward God. God, what do you want me to do? Secondly, I love and walk in love towards. All people. And third, I love myself. And for me to take myself out in that direction is not good for me. That's bad for me. It might taste good, but it's bad for me. I'm not going to go that way. These are the fruits to come out because I walk in love. I walk first off to love God above all things. And secondly, I love others. I love my neighbor as myself. And, of course, Jesus it was then asked the question, well, then who, is, who then is my neighbor? And Jesus did a real nice job answering that. We covered that some time ago in the Good Samaritan parable. I'm not going to get into that here here right now. But understand this part. I am to walk in the love of God. I am to walk, secondly, in the love towards other people. And then I also love myself. And I cannot falter on any of those. I cannot deny him. Uh, denying loving myself. I must love myself or I won't be able to love other people. And I, But I must love God first and foremost and realize whatever it is that I do to other people, I do as an act of love to God. And you'll see these fruits that we often look at as different individual fruits but are actually all coming out of love. We'll see all those things begin to manifest in our life. Not because I'm generating wooden grapes or wooden apples Or wooden pieces of fruit, but because they are being produced in me. Because I yield myself to the vine dresser who pokes and prods and snips and takes care of the things that we need to take care of so that I can walk in that love. And then I find out that people like to be around me. The people find out that my nature is good. I'm beneficial to have around. They like to have me around. And these other fruits that we often look at, begin to come out in my life. and I see them. And I don't ever have to wonder, am I producing fruit for God? Am I one of those ones that God's going to cut off? I can simply say, you know what? Look at how long suffering has developed in my life. Look at how self-control, how gentleness. I used to, when people did that, I used to haul off and say all kinds of things, but now it comes over me. You are producing And other people see it. Down the road, we talk about the impact of fruit on other people that are around you in the area of evangelism and just winning people over. But would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to understand what the fruit is that we are to walk in. How that fruit is supposed to come out of us. What it looks like. How it feels to be walking in these things. So, Father, as we meditate on these Words that are used to describe those that are bearing fruit. them to take part in us, to, to become a part of us that we know that's the fruit of God. That's coming out in my life because I'm abiding in Him. There's evidence that I'm abiding in God. Thank you, Father, for it. Thank you so much for the love that you give us. And we just want to follow after that love. The same example you gave us in love. The same example you gave us in meekness. The same example you gave us in self-control. All these things. Oh, we just want to follow the example you gave us. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.